to the Dive into Reiki podcast. I'm Natalie, and together we will enjoy a series of conversations that explore the journey of Reiki practitioners and teachers from all lineages. 100% Reiki-focused stories, 100% human. Hi, and welcome to episode 12 of the Dive into Reiki podcast. I'm Natalie J., your host, and today I have a wonderful guest, Bill Stevens. Bill Stevens is a member of the Congregation of Christian Brothers and he taught 25 years in schools before training to become a hospital chaplain. He served as such for 10 years at three different hospitals in New York and New Jersey. While he was at the St. Peter's Medical Center in New Jersey in the 80s, he began to experience people with HIV and AIDS coming to the hospital. At that time, it was a death sentence. So he helped establish a non-profit organization called the Chrysalis Ministry to support these people in their journey. It was during this 12-year period that Bill incorporated Reiki into his ministry. After that, Bill worked with the visiting nurse supporting people at the end of life. Bill has studied with renowned teachers such as Kandro Kunzang Dechen Choron, Gilbert Gallego, Yakuten Inamoto, Franz Steen, and Kathleen Prasad. He still teaches Reiki at 88 from his home in New Rochelle, in New York, and actually he also teaches Qigong and Tai Chi and gave me an amazing class a few years ago when I met him in a retreat. But before we go to the interview, I just want to give you a little reminder that if you love the podcast, find it useful, you can actually support it by becoming a Patreon member for less than the cost of a cup of coffee a month. Uh, you can visit patreon.com slash dive into Reiki and join the support the podcast level or the sweet diver level, and then enjoy additional perks like a monthly circle and Q&A. The best time is to join at the beginning of the month because membership always renews on the first. You can also support the podcast by rating on iTunes or sharing with the people you may that may enjoy it. Any, any, any contribution, energy, love, rating, everything helps. Um, may your support get back to you a thousand times. And now on with the interview. Thank you so much for saying yes to the interview. You're welcome. So <laughs> delighted to be with you, Natalie. Yeah, it's it's. I met you. I think it was in a play day with Francine, and then we had a retreat together in Lancaster. It was such a pleasure to practice together. Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, I remember that. That was, that was a great, great weekend retreat. <clears throat> It'll come back soon. Uh, <laughs> So I wanted to start, I started the same question, everybody. I always start, uh, what was the first time you came in contact with Reiki? What was your first experience? Well, I, I was with my, with my teacher, Penny Neeson. You know, I, I think I, I told you maybe that I, as I started my ministry to people with AIDS, I heard of a, a chaplain in San Francisco working in the hospitals out there. And, uh, and he was doing Reiki. And I said, what is Reiki? I didn't, didn't know what it was. Uh, but uh, he gave me the, the inspiration <laughs> to find out. And I, I, I found the only Reiki master at the time in New Jersey. Uh, that was back in 1991. And uh, that I knew of anyway, there may have been others. Uh, yeah, there was also no internet to look for them. <laughs> exactly, you know. And so I, I made an arrangement to do a weekend course. And I, 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 I brought somebody uh, who, 
who was living with the with HIV with me, and, a, and a, a woman, a social worker who was working with the community. So the three of us <clears throat> went out and we did a, a, a weekend with with uh, this person and Penny uh, Neeson, and we learned level one Reiki. And that's uh, and, and I used that one class for the next seven, eight years, you know, doing my work. <clears throat> wow, I, I love that because we rushed so much from Ricky one to Ricky two to Ricky three, like as soon as we can. And yet you did amazing work just with your Ricky level one. Well, yeah, yeah, it was surprising to me. I mean, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't necessarily have any experience uh, or was I able to talk with other people who were offering Reiki. So it really, I, I kept my doing the Reiki mainly because uh, people were having such a positive experience. I wasn't feeling any big amounts of energy myself, but I just went into my meditation and I just followed the instructions that my teacher gave me in level one and just trusted. <laughs> and uh, and people just had some had good experiences, you know, and I, that mar I was, I just was marveled by what they shared with me. <clears throat> you know, I remember one time there was a, a person, I used to offer Reiki in various settings, you know, I would offer Reiki with the, uh, uh, I go into a support group and while they were having their support group, if someone wanted to have a Reiki session, I would be in, in another room. They could just slip out of the group and come and go back into the group. And I remember one person, you know, who had, you know, was really fighting an addiction and he had some mental issues as well, mental health issues. And, um, and he came in for a session and and uh, at the end of the session, you know, he, he just told me, wow, he had a great experience, the most spiritual experience he ever experienced in his life. And uh, I just said, wow, with him. <laughs> you know? And, uh, uh, you know, it was things like that, you know, I, I would visit people in the hospital and, uh, and I remember going into one particular person who had a lot of pain, you know, and, uh, and I offered him Reiki and it helped his pain, you know, it surprised both of us that, wow, the pain went away. <laughs> and uh, uh, I visited him a few times, you know, and, and uh, the next, one of the times I came into the room a few times later, you know, and he would just shout out, oh, here comes my pain medication. <laughs> <laughs> And I was I was afraid that the nurses would you know would uh, uh, would think I was bringing him some additional drugs you know <laughs> you were like the secret dealer of painkillers <laughs> yeah but uh, but uh, it was uh, you know because of those experiences and similar ones you know that I that I just persevered I knew that it was making a difference for people. <clears throat> I appreciate you so much doing that. I have a lot of my students or people who approach me because of the podcast and they're so concerned about not feeling all those very strong sensations that some people feel. And when you say that, that you practice just trusting, right? Then it works. I think it's, it's going to make them feel very much like, okay, I'm okay. I'm not doing anything wrong. 
Yes. And I think Von Steiner, that, you know, his class, you know, he was, he, he, he taught me that, you know, that, that it, you know, that to let go of all. If you feel it, great, you know, it's a gift, but, uh, but not to focus, put your attention on that, you know, because it's not the essential part of what we're doing. <clears throat> Um, in the text you sent me, you sent me a lot of beautiful texts, and there was one when I love when you used to start like going to the hospital as a chaplain. That you know sometimes you were welcome and not welcome, and then you took away, you know, your color and like and just learn how to hold the space and be by yourself. You had a beautiful way of explaining that. I don't know if for me like this is a little bit the same, right? We don't need to sell Reiki with our sensations. We just need to be and hold the space. Could you elaborate a little bit on that experience that you had? Oh, oh, yes. When I was learning my hospital chaplaincy, yeah, I was teaching for 25 years in our schools, you know, and and you know, I, you know, I was in a very structured community life, you know, and uh, and the habit, you know, the black habit, the black robes and the collar, and you know, and and. You know, you tend to hide behind that. I mean, you, you know, you, this is who you present to the world. You know, that's all they see. They see collar, whatever, whatever that means to them, you know. So when I began my hospital chaplaincy, it, it was kind of like a clinical pastoral education program. It's a very formal, structured training. So the, we had like three different sessions or, or three different sections. And about 12 weeks each, you know. So we did, we went through the first section of 12 week training. And my counselor, the one running the program for our particular group of six people, she gave me the challenge, <laughs> you know, to uh, just to, to wear a suit the next time without any collar, you know, no, no black robes. <laughs> and, and that was, uh, wow. Uh, you know, I was uh, I was getting around 45, 50 years old at the time, you know, and I, I said, oh, that's a challenge for me. Uh, and I, so I, you know, I, I, it was a big deal for me, you know, and I went into the hospital the first day, you know, and hi, Bell, hi, hi, brother, hi, brother. They didn't, no one, <laughs> no one was... <laughs> made any remarks at all, you know, about that, you know, but, but when I went in the room, it was, it was more of a challenge, you know, when I went in the room without my collar. But again, you know, sometimes people threw me out of the room because of the collar, <laughs> you know, they didn't want to see any, anyone. But this time I had to go in as Bill Stevens, you know, and uh, that was a different experience. There was, there's no agenda that people had put on, put on me as I entered the room, you know. And, uh, and so that was uh, was very growthful experience for me. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, I love the way you say that, right? Like you couldn't hide or protect behind anything. And, and I think also when I link that to your Reiki One practice, it's a little bit about that, right? You just place your hand and there is nothing to hide, nothing to be, just place your hand. So I love that. Yes, yes you know, you're just going into your own meditation, you know, and that. That was all. So how did you go from your Reiki one? What made you go like, okay, now I need a little bit of to go further, Reiki two or check in with Reiki master. What was the spark that made you look forward to that? I began to hear people speak about another level, you know, <laughs> uh, 
and the opportunity arose that I could, a, a teacher appeared, you know, that's what always happens, you know, <laughs> when the student ready, the teacher appears. And, uh, uh, and I did go to uh, a Leslie Mondu, uh, she was offering a level two class in the same uh, lineage, you know? And so, uh, so I did take that and uh, it was in that class that I heard of a teacher in, uh, in Maryland, Kunzang Daichin Children. And she was a, an amazing woman, you know, because she was a, a nurse up in Vermont who was offering, who was exposed to Reiki, but, um, but she had a transformative experience and was led to, uh, went to a, a Buddhist teacher who was giving a, a presentation and became drawn to do uh, to join by the Buddhist community by in Maryland and she was in Vermont and she left her profession she left her friends she left her her family I think she was divorced at the time but she did have a, a son but you know she made arrangements for him to be taken care of I think he was going into college at the time but uh, and she went into this Buddhist community in Maryland and had incredible experiences uh, just for her own personal growth, you know. And she uh, became involved with the Reiki Jinkai Do lineage, and which was very, uh, Seiki Takamori was one of the prominent people in that lineage. And he was a monk in Japan who got permission to go study over in Nepal and India. And he went up into the mountains and studied with uh, yogis oh. <clears throat> 20 years you know and he got deep into the meta the buddhist meditation practices and deep into the chakra work and energy work and qigong and uh, so that got all thrown into that teaching of the reiki jinkai do and and, and that's what my teacher uh experienced and she used to go over to nepal Oh, maybe once or twice a year and spend a, a month there, you know, in meditation with her teachers over there. So when I did, I did about 300 hours of study with her. Wow. I did the Reiki Jinkai Do level one, two, three. And I did two deeper teachings with the, what they called the Budo Innocence, which were very deep Buddhist practices. <clears throat> so... Uh, it was challenging for me. I don't think I, I, I probably didn't, you know, understand it all, <laughs> but I was very much exposed to it. And I developed a deeper meditation practice. And I did uh, do the master level with one of her students. And, uh, and I that's when I began to teach Reiki after I did that. <clears throat> wow, that is beautiful. Too, you know, because the whole AIDS development shifted at some point with people didn't have the medications they needed to extend their life. And I was able to begin to teach uh, some of the uh, people that I used to serve, you know, with Reiki there. I used to teach, began to teach them Reiki, you know, so they could incorporate that into their lives and, uh, and make that part of their uh, uh, recovery. For me, it was very moving when I read the paper you sent me because also a lot of time we put Reiki as it's gonna heal me, like almost like my life is gonna get better, right? But when you work with people who at that time because of lack of meditation, basically like it's a completely different perspective of what Reiki practice will serve in their case. 
So we'd love to share a little bit of your experience sharing Reiki with, like in the middle of, a, that was an epidemic that it was at the time. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, we used to, uh, to run, uh, the biggest part of the uh, Chrysalis ministry was to create a safe space for people. And so we had a, a wonderful nun who opened up her retreat house to us. And we did four-day retreat programs there. And uh, people, we just, that was a time where people were afraid to come out of their houses or even afraid to tell their family, you know, that they had AIDS. Because there was such a stigma attached to it. But something very similar right, to, to COVID, you know, that kind of that pandemic and all that fear around it. So we, we, they came together then at, at this retreat house. For 10 years, we did about four retreats a year and uh, about 50, 60 people at a time. And um, some came back certainly more than once. Sometimes they would meet relatives there, <laughs> you know. They'd, you know, they each had kept their secret from each other. But it was, a, it was just a, it was people from all walks of life, you know, people who were homeless, people who were in shelters, people from Wall Street, people, gay men, uh, straight men, men and women, uh, people who had drug, uh, picked up AIDS from uh, drug addiction. It was just uh, women and men together. It was just a, a great thing for them just to come together and, and be safe, you know? And then we broke them up into groups and they had all sorts of different programs going on. But a big, big part of that was every day we, we offered them a massage and, and Reiki, you know, whichever they decided to choose and uh, made that part of the uh, part of the day, you know, two or three hours in the afternoon. We, and we got massage practitioners, you know, volunteering their time to come at that time to offer this to them. <clears throat> so it's really a wonderful, wonderful experience for, for us and, and for them as well. Wow, that is it's beautiful because also they were not being touched a lot at the time. People were really scared because they didn't understand the contagion. So for them to receive touch, yes, been, you know, beautiful, like something not very common. Yeah, I, I became a massage practitioner as well for that purpose, you know, because uh, because of the almost like the leper, you know, the, the untouchable, you know. So they, they really appreciated that. And I love, because for me, Reiki makes you feel safe in your body many times. The fact that you created a safe community where they could be safe. I just find it's like a beautiful expression of the Reiki precepts and the Reiki practice as well. Yes, absolutely. And from then you went to work with Well and End of Life Services? Towards the end of the Christmas ministry, I had open heart surgery, like an emergency. I took some time off. And during that sabbatical year, so to speak, I heard of an end-of-life program that was being offered up in San Francisco by Frank Ostateski. And uh, I was kind of drawn to do that, you know, probably because of my own experience around my own heart, open-heart surgery and my own experience with the AIDS community, you know, it was very uh, much at the end-of-life issues, you know. So this is an opportunity, you know, uh, to to go deeper into that and, and jump in and, and learn more about the end of life and how I could be with other people and also just for myself personally. So it was a, it was a great program. And there's about 25 of us there. 
And there were doctors, nurses, social workers, chaplains, volunteers. It was a great group of people. And we came together uh, four times, four days a month. And then we would go back to where, where our home was and do some field work. They gave us, you know, that threw us right into the situation so that we could, you know, come back with our experiences each month and talk about them and also have that experience of being with someone at the end of life. Uh, there was a hospice uh, visiting, run by the Visiting Nurse Association in New Jersey that I, uh, I asked them if I could just volunteer there and do my field work. And so that's how that all started. And uh, so that was a, a full year program. We did that, we went out there four days each month. And it was, uh, I learned so much. And I, so the teachers there were just incredible. And can you share a little bit of some of your experience uh, with that, with like the, that part of end of life? Like supporting so people. I ended the program, I, I, uh, I asked the, the visiting nurses if I could uh, get a job there <laughs> as a chaplain. And, uh, and then they said, yes, I guess I was 70 years old at the time. And, and I, I think I said I would, I, would, I would come in three times, three days a week. I give myself a little break. <laughs> and then, but, uh, but I no sooner got into the work and then I said, well, you know, I, I, I have to, I want to all, let them know that I also would like to offer Reiki to my clients, to my patients. And they had a little problem with it, you know? Uh, so they said, well, we have to go before the board of directors and ask them about it, you know? So I had to clean my case before the board of directors. And they put me on, on probation. <laughs> you know, yes, you know? And so uh, what I did, first of all, I, I taught then I was teaching Reiki then, so I, I taught a group of nurses, I threw it out to anyone who'd like to take a, a Reiki class, and uh, which they did, and they enjoyed it. And so I would have some, someone send me patients, you know, <laughs> since they knew what it was and how they profited by it. But then I also uh, asked the director, I said, well, you know, whenever you have a, a real bad day, just give me a call. And I'll, and, I'll, and I'll come by and I'll give you a session. <laughs> so, that, so that happened pretty quickly. <laughs> you know, those days for her came up very often. And so uh, she called me and I, I went in and gave her about a half hour Reiki session. She was convinced. <laughs> I didn't have to, uh, didn't have, I had her in my corner after that. And, uh, I, I love how you keep it so simple, right? Like when you have a bad day, come and try this. Like, you know, like not a lot of, Blood was like, you know what, just come. Right, yeah, you did have to experience it, right? Yes, no, I have to give a big spiel about it. <laughs> Someone who is probably either studying one of these programs or working in palliative care or services end of life, what will, you, what will be the tip you will give them like when it comes to Reiki, like offering Reiki in, in this kind of environment? What would I share with you to do yeah, like, it's my first day tomorrow, Bill, give me three things I should do or not do. Yes. Okay, if you're going, going to be a hospice uh, practitioner, Reiki practitioner. Yes. Well, yeah, I, I had to learn all that, you know, by my mistakes, you know. <laughs> and so, uh, 
When I called people, seeing if they wanted to visit, you know, I, I got into the habit of saying, uh, Reiki is a spiritual healing practice, which people find uh, very relaxing and comforting. So that's all the information I gave them on the phone. You know, I had about less than a minute, you know, to <laughs> ask them that they would like me to drop by. So I couldn't go into a, a big history of Reiki. So I, I felt that if a person was interested in spirituality or interested in healing, then, you know, then they would be open to it, you know? And if those words turned them off, then they would say, thanks very much, but no. But that was, that was okay, you know? And so at least the, the door was open for people who were familiar with those words and wanted, you know, me to come and visit. And when I got into the, uh, my only equipment, you know, was I had a little uh, sound box, a music box, and I had my stool. And when I came into the house, you know, or the hospital room, I, I would decide where I wanted to, to sit, you know. If I came into the house and the person was sitting in a chair, then I brought my stool over to the chair. If they're laying on the couch, I I brought my stool right next to the couch. If they're laying in their bedroom, I brought my stool right there. And if I went into a hospital room, instead of dragging chairs around and everything like that, you know, I could just bring my stool right up close to wherever the patient was in the bed, you know? So it's amazing what, what little space you had there, but you could fit your stool right in there and, and sit yourself down right beside them. And then that's it. that was uh, where, you know, I would start offering, you know, you know, Reiki to them. I wasn't doing a lot of hand positions. It was just like, like placing your hands off the body or, or sometimes just being in your meditation. But uh, it, it, it was amazing, you know, the responses, you know, it's uh, uh, very, 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 very powerful in the sense of uh, people being relieved of their pain or people going into uh, a very peaceful and relaxed place, you know. You never knew what kind of a situation you would go into, you know. And and I, I remember once I was going into, and walked in the door, and as I opened the door, the room was almost totally dark, a couple of lamps in the corner on, and the whole room was lined with people in the chairs, you know. And this bed was in the middle of the room, you know. And, Two of the, the, the woman was in the bed, you know, moaning very loudly. And I uh, had two of her children on the bed with her. And uh, the husband was on the side of the bed. And, you know, I just went in and opened up my stool. And, and uh, I was at the end of the bed and began to offer Reiki without saying anything, you know. At one point, the husband had to leave the room and he signaled me to come closer. And, uh, uh, but I was there about 45 minutes to an hour when finally the woman seemed to stop moaning and she seemed to be more peaceful. So I stayed there another half hour. And then I left and maybe a couple of hours after I left, she passed, you know, and, and the husband told the social worker, you know, that he had, she had been in this kind of condition you know, moaning and being very, very anxious, you know, for a couple of weeks. 
and that was the most peaceful that he had seen her. And she went in and she died very peacefully at that time, you know. So it's things like that, you know, that, uh, you know, you know, you know, you can't say, you know, I always ask myself, you know, what is Reiki, you know, and I, I, I don't know, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, that's something very profound, you know, and it's uh, not, not anything magical that you do, because I, I know myself that, you know, uh, it's not anything coming from me. Uh, it's no magical thing that you're doing, that you're kind of just... Uh, becoming one with the with the the energy. I love the way that like Kathleen Prasad, you know, teaches the the Reiki, just becoming one, you know, with the with the animals, you know, just offering offering that that space to them, but not not pushing it on them. And Franz, you know, but letting me know that this is a spiritual practice. It's not and and the more you do your practice, you know, paying attention to the precepts, opening up your heart, you know, paying attention to the precepts and practicing your meditation and holding that space. The more you can do that, the, then healing is a possibility, you know. But you don't have any expectations. You don't, you're not, you're not trying to figure things out. You're not promising people anything. Yeah, and say, what well, is Reiki? I think, you know, a lot of times, Franz used to tell us, you know, that just be Reiki, you know, just be love, just just be that, and and then I think healing is like a side effect of your of your practice, you know. The more you practice, you know, the more possibilities that there are. You put it beautifully, and and I love what you close it. The more you practice, the more possibilities, right? A lot of time new students they try to understand what is Reiki with the head and you can only understand through practice you're, like you're not going to figure out things by sensing them you need to have a deep daily practice to actually have those opportunities for healing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so what is your daily practice then Bill like because I know you practice you also have Qigong you have Tai Chi so if I could see you in your day your daily practice what will it be well, I, each morning, you know, I, I, I do spend time, you know, I, I go for a walk and then I, I come back home and I, I'll do a half hour to 45 minutes of Tai Chi and, and Qigong. And I, that, that kind of quiets my mind. And then I will uh, do a half hour, 45 minute meditation. Yeah. So I make sure I do that every day. Yeah, absolutely. But then I give my offer myself Reiki at night when I'm going to sleep. And I get offer probably close to 45 minutes when I wake up in the morning too. I'll give myself Reiki as well. So I make it, that's really my spiritual practice, you know, right, is that. <clears throat> I, I love your saying, your spiritual practice, you're a chaplain, right? So I've had some emails from people who are worried about religion and Reiki, and yet, you actually are a chaplain and you're handling spirituality, right? So is there, for those people who are a little bit concerned about mixing religion and Reiki, could you tell them a little bit your point of view? Well, yes, I could. <laughs> it's, I, I get a lot of emails, so sorry I'm imposing on you because you actually have more kind of... I know at the hospice, you know, I would uh, be part of the training. I, I would be asked to do part of the volunteer training, you know. 
he talking about chaplaincy, talking about uh, uh, Reiki as well. <clears throat> and when I mentioned Reiki as a spiritual practice, uh, sometimes there'd be a clergy person present, you know, and uh, they'd be kind of shocked that I would put Reiki as a <laughs> practice, you know, and they would uh, sometimes we would get into a little back and forth on it. But sometimes I'd just be visibly upset with it. It's, at one point, you know, someone who was, a, a, there was another chaplain at the VNA, and he very, very specifically went into a, had a discussion with me, you know, about Reiki being a spiritual practice. I think it's because of its Buddhist uh, background, or there's some, some churches um, just have a lot. I think it's because uh, like the, the, the church is the only one who has that authority, you know, that yeah. no one else can do healing, but the person ordained person, you know, that's, that's very much there, you know, and, and well, there was a period of time, maybe in the early, late nineties, that a, a group of bishops in the Catholic church came out very strongly. I mean, they, just, they came out against Reiki. And they, uh, after I left the hospital as a chaplain, that they, uh, they at St. Peter's, they, they said, uh, the bishop said that they would be forbidden for anyone to do Reiki at oh, the wow. hospital. But how can they tell whatever you're doing in the hospital? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Especially when you're in your meditation state, right? They cannot really see that. There's nothing that they were, were doing, you know, in the room. But, but that, it went to that extent, you know. Wow. Uh, I never let it interfere with my work in the hospitals. There's, but I, I think it's a matter of, uh, of authority. But Jesus, you know, uh, sent out his disciples to heal people in the village. You know, he didn't grasp this as something that was only his. You know, it's a very spiritual thing, you know. And, and the disciples went out into the villages and, and, and healed the people, you know. So I, I, it did come up for me, but I, I didn't allow it to uh, interfere with anything I taught or anything I, I did personally. So I think that the brothers uh, never questioned anything, which was very helpful for me. They allowed me to do things that I felt that I needed to do. <clears throat> so they were supportive of that in, in that way. <clears throat> so that was helpful. That was great. Thank you for sharing that. I always refer people to the Reiki principles of precepts. And I'm like, this is the embodiment of Reiki practice. Do not anger, do not worry. Uh, I mean, everything there is just, you have your meditation, you have your precepts, and then uh, what more? <laughs> it's not evil, right? Someone who's telling you, no, anger, don't worry, cannot. Like, it's just basic. Yes. Human. My spiritual practice, that's my biggest part of my spiritual practice, you know, are the, are the precepts and, and, the, uh, and the meditation. <clears throat> Absolutely. Thank you so much, Bill, for sharing your story. Is there anything that I forgot to ask? Because I went through all the documents and just wanted to make sure that I didn't forget anything that you would love to add. No, because after my hospice work that I began to become Towards the end of my hospice work, I, be I began to become more aware of Kathleen Prasad's work. And, uh, and during these last few years, uh, I've been becoming more involved, you know, in the, in the shelters. And she taught me so much, you know, and she, uh, uh, 
and she has created, you know, you know, the let animals uh, lead technique, you know, where we just are there, you know, and the animals come and take what they want, you know, instead of chasing after them. <laughs> She's wonderful. I actually, when I was talking to her, I'm like, we should do the same with humans. It's the same approach, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, 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 that's why, you know, when you say, when you talk about distance healing, you know, but that means that's, that's all you're doing, you know, you're just going into your, holding that space for people, you know? But yeah, she was a, a great influence on me as well. And I really enjoy working with and I love that you keep on training and keep on deepening your practice like all the time. And I find that so beautiful and inspiring as well. Okay, well, thanks. Yeah, well, I have to do that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you still teach, right? You're still teaching Reiki? Yeah, I, 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 um, I was 40 years on, on my own in New Jersey. And uh, I'm uh, 88 years old now. And so the community asked me to, uh, you know, come back closer. <laughs> and so I'm in one of our communities in New Rochelle. So I don't want, I don't want people to be worrying about me. Or, uh, and so I uh, made that decision to do that. But I've kept my contacts and uh, I have Zoom and I teach my Tai Chi classes on Zoom and I'm teaching my Reiki classes on Zoom. I'm doing a Reiki class uh, this Saturday, <clears throat> you know, so I, so I still I do my healing circle once a month on Zoom. So, uh, so that's great. So I keep in touch with a lot of people in New Jersey. You know, I'm not, I'm not pushing for anything here in New Rochelle, New York, but I, I just say whatever the universe sends me, I'm here. But I don't, I don't go out and knock on doors anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, but I'll be sharing your, uh, your website and all your details so people can reach uh, out to you, especially if they're in New Rochelle, like they are lucky people to be around you. Yeah, okay. Great, thank you very much. <clears throat> thank you so, so much for your time. And I'm looking forward to the Lancaster Retreat 2022. We're kidnapping you. I'm driving you down there to share with you. I know it's one year away, but start packing. Okay. <laughs> thank you so much, Bill. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Dive Into Reiki podcast. You can read a full transcript of today's interview at diveintoreiki.com slash blog. If you found this episode helpful, please hit the subscribe button, leave me a review, or just share it with your friends. It makes all the difference. Thank you. Gracias. Merci.